Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Oh, he's gone in! High octane football fan fuel. It's a brilliant goal. Kick off. Oh, brilliant. It's a goal! On Talk Sport, famous for football. On kickoff added time this week, we'll be talking about the impact of coronavirus on sports. So many different events all over the world cancelled. Premier League and EFL, though, still haven't acted on the pandemic. They're taking the government's advice. But we ask, is this a case of money over the health of fans? And we'll also be talking about the England women's team after their dire showing at the She Believes Cup. And we'll take a little bit of a look at a tactical masterclass or not from Diego Simeone. We spoke about it a little bit earlier on. This is kickoff added time with me this evening. Jordan Jarrett Bryan, of course, Channel 4 sports reporter, sports broadcaster and journalist. Anne-Marie Batson is here and comedian Archie Maddox too. And a reminder, kickoff added time supported by the Audio Content Fund. It's produced by Unedited and you can listen to the podcast from tomorrow via Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And a bit of news, I believe it's being reported uh, in The Sun online uh, that Manchester City, a spokesperson for Manchester City, has said the club can confirm a family member of a men's team player is in hospital with respiratory illness symptoms. The individual's undergone tests, one for COVID-19, until results the player is self-isolating as a precaution. Doesn't look like Manchester City's game, certainly their game uh, next week against Real Madrid uh, won't be taking, uh, won't be uh, on the MLS out in America. That's been suspended for a month. Uh, Tennis's ATP tour suspended for six weeks. The NBA suspended. The Players' Championship will continue behind closed doors. The season an open F1, the Australian Grand Prix this weekend, that's off surely then the Premier League will be next, three Leicester players in self-isolation, we know several Arsenal players were into self-isolation due to coronavirus, so the real question is, you know, are we beginning to face the reality that the season is pretty much over I hope so because you don't want Liverpool I don't to want Liverpool to win, yeah, I would love it <laughs> I would love it if they stop the season now and Liverpool, for all their big chat, will have nothing. Oh, I would no. love it. 
It would be um, funny, wouldn't it? It, it would be, be hilarious. <laughs> Can I just add to that list as well? The, re- the WTA for the women's have also announced a series of cancellations as well, following the men's announcement this morning as well. So pretty much tennis is now on hold for the next four to six weeks. The BBC, you just mentioned there, the Man City player, the BBC reporting it's Benjamin Mendy sort of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, that's it, it's definitely taking its, its, its grip on the Premier League. I'm actually quite surprised that the Premier League hasn't already decided to I think scrap the league I mean I know Archie's half joking about wanting it scrapped because he doesn't he's want not to joking. Yeah, he's not okay. joking all right he's not joking <laughs> um, but I agree with him but for for, for another reason I, I I think it's it's actually insane that the Premier League think that they are somehow immune from this and while uh, we understand you mentioned in your intro there money over over health it's completely valid. It's billions of pounds we're talking about here if they if they cancel these competitions. But surely the well being of, of, of people is 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 more important, even if it is, even if the numbers aren't, you know, vast or drastic at this stage. Am I the only one then who's actually I think I'm the only person who's thinking the Premier League are just following government advice. The government will be the one who will make the call about whether matches should go forward or not. And I don't know what the government said though. He said, I heard what the government said. I was listening to the the conference earlier as I was driving in. I know what I know what they're saying. I'm just I think just we just I just want to be rational about it and just follow what I'm told because I have to trust what I am being told. And therefore, you'd think that the Premier League are also following and the EFL is also following suit. And they've said that as well. They've said we're following yeah. to the main. So this is government. Except here's the thing: if you were in the United States and you follow government advice, then nothing's wrong. So, <laughs> and the NBA have decided that they're going to suspend their league. The MLS is suspending it for a month as well. So clearly you don't have to no. wait for government advice. You're in charge of your own competition. If you mm-hmm. feel that you're going to protect fans and players, you can make that decision yourself. It's not like the Premier League is hamstrung by the government. It's like, oh, we, we, we really would cancel the games, but, you know, the government... But they're hiding behind the government. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's very easy to say, well, we're taking government advice. The reality of the situation is, if they wanted to, the EFL and the Premier League say, look, these matches are either going to be behind closed doors or they're not going to happen at all, they could have made that decision. I wonder if they're maybe just afraid that if they did make that decision, there would be a, a big... Backlash. Let me just tell you, over on TalkSport 2 right now, you can listen to Olympiacos 1, Wolves 0. Olympiacos have just taken the league. El Arabi with the goal. A 10-man Olympiacos as well after they received a straight red in the first half. You can listen to the last uh, 40 minutes or so over on TalkSport 2 right now. Um, you talk about, sorry, I'm going to come back to you on this one because I think the, the fact that you're saying that maybe the EFL and the Premier League are, are afraid, I think... Is, is a little bit too far for me to say that. I think it's a case of... I, I wouldn't like to think they wouldn't want to make the decision because they're afraid of the reaction. I think they're well prepared for that. These would have these scenarios would have been planned and the backup and what's going to happen if there's a plan B, plan C, plan D. I, I don't think they would be worried about people kicking you off that they can't... You actually think they've been planning I was this? about to say. I, I don't think but, they have any idea. What's, I and think, I think they're waiting so that they don't have to make the decision. Had, I think they're waiting for it to be made for them so they don't look like they haven't thought things through, which I don't think they have. Every organisation needs a contingency plan for something to go wrong in different scenarios. And I'm putting my PR, my old PR hat on for a second, there would be a plan for different scenarios of this nature. They wouldn't be suddenly, you know, this would happen and <clears> then they'd have a panic. There would be a plan in place. That's why you're having these government meetings so quickly because there's always a contingency plan in play. But I wouldn't like to think that certain football um, organisations in this country 
and not making the right decision because they're worried about people's reactions to it. I think the Premier League are praying, praying and praying that Liverpool can wrap up this title in the next two games. Because if there's one thing that can be decided, it's that Liverpool can be champions. You can't decide who goes down anytime soon, but you can decide who the champions of your league are. So I think they're hoping that Man City, whenever they do play their next game, lose that game and Liverpool win their next two games. I think it's six points now, there's two more wins. Yeah. Right, so the Premier League will be hoping and praying they haven't got to make a decision on cancelling the league until at least mathematically Liverpool have won the Premier League I'm going to keep talking about this in a few moments time possibly what way the season will come to a halt if any way at all stay with us on kickoff added time You're listening to Kickoff Added Time. Hugh Wisencroft, Jordan Jarrett, Brian, Anne Marie Batson, and Archie Maddox with you. We're talking about coronavirus in the Premier League, whether games should already be called off, and quite a few of you getting in touch with us uh, already. It's ridiculous. The Premier League is taking the advice of the government when, and its medical advisors when they could easily take the advice of the talk sport radio presenters instead. What's wrong with them? Yeah, very funny. Uh, some other ones as well. The uh, government aren't doing anything about the coronavirus, why should games be called off though? If you call off games, you've got to halt travel, uh, flights, close shopping centres, far more people use the underground in London than attending a football match, for example. You either lock down or you take a laid back stance. There's no in between. I do agree with that. Actually. Nobody's telling me I can't go to work. That's from Aaron in South End. Another one here. The USA have got this spot on. They've indefinitely suspended the NBA, which is what we should be doing with sporting events as well. As much as I like Cheltenham, even that shouldn't have taken place this week this procrastination could end up killing thousands that's from greeny i th- i think i think the, the the premier league have weighed up the 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 the, the risk uh, rewards uh, balance here and they've worked out that by stopping the premier league we're going to lose millions possibly billions but the worst case scenario if we continue playing and you know stan's mate shakes the hand at a game and he passes it on to his cousin and that person something happens to that person nah, it's unfortunate but it's not worth the millions we would lose for stopping the games altogether. So I think they've weighed up. What are we? What are we going to lose if we stop the Premier League games? To what's the worst case scenario as well? And I think that it's really grim to be talking about people's health and what what you know, the loss of of, of life potentially could happen. But I think that I think this is all centered around money and what financially they could lose. I can't wait for us to go into lockdown. I'm looking forward to it, man. You like what? your own company? Watching box sets. Not even that. You can we, just how long until we all go wild and just start losing it. <laughs> Like Lord of the Flies kind of scenario. Until I'll go from zero to Mad Max within about two days, man. Definitely. Do you know what I'm going to... It's funny because I was talking on a WhatsApp group with a fellow journos this afternoon. I think what I'm going to find hard is not going to be able to... Uh, enjoy the tennis season or the football season as much as as I normally do. I'm normally watching games pretty much every day of the week when I get in from work, and it's strange that 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 might happen. That the Premier League and the EFL will be suspended. There'll be no games whatsoever. And, it, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with my time? I'm so used to having sport in my life 24/7. Suddenly, it's not there. It's going to be very weird for a short period of time. I don't know what you guys think about that. I'll be alright I'll find something to do it's going to be pretty difficult to work but aside from that uh, uh, try being a comedian mate well there's plenty of things to to write about yeah to write and tell who (laughs) listen you need to I can't go to no comedy club my friend that's all straight into other people's mouths people people are going to need to be entertained (laughs) stream that live new material from your own home contraband like people (laughs) Um, you know just to be serious on it I think money is a, a real concern 
especially for EFL clubs and lower down the pyramid, um, you know, I, I, I just get the feeling that eventually an owner might say, look, look, players are being affected now. Families of players are being affected. There's a number of players in lockdown who have symptoms. We don't know whether they will test positive or not for coronavirus. But I think once players are affected, you really should stop the league. You know, you, you who are we to decide who's available for a match and who isn't? What if, if Benjamin Mendy now... Um, goes into self-isolation he's unavailable for Manchester City are they meant to still play games without him him available is that like do we just write that off as an injury or, or like I, I can't see that being the right way forward I know I was talking yesterday about games being behind closed doors and a lot of people disagreed but that was in the the circumstance that players weren't affected if all players are healthy then maybe we should have the games behind closed doors but clearly if players and their families are being affected by coronavirus that shouldn't be happening. And I think money is a big consideration for EFL clubs because they can't stand necessarily to lose the gate receipts for matches. That that basically runs their clubs. I think in the Premier League in particular, especially if it's a postponement rather than a, um, a cancellation of the season, then I think maybe they, sh- they can absorb it and there should be enough money for certainly, maybe they wouldn't be able to do it for a full season, but for a couple of months and then see where the situation is from there. I just think if people are genuinely going to ask me the question, if I think, is it more about money than people's welfare? I think it is. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that that's that's, um, a poor consideration because clearly some clubs need that money to survive. However, if if it's one of the two, then clearly it's not. If if you really just cared about the welfare and health of fans going to stadia, you would have stopped. It's a non-question. You would have stopped games by now. So my question really for, for you at home is, you know, if you're over 70 and you've got a season ticket, are you going to go to a game this weekend with 60, 50, 40,000 people in a stadium? Look, my dad's 78 years old. I wouldn't want him to. Mm. I really wouldn't want him to. And I think people are going to have to make that decision whether they should or could watch their teams this weekend. Now, why leave people in that decision, with that decision? But you know what? I think this is going to be a real test for football fans. We're going to really find out who loves football over health. Why is it a test? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> I just think, I think it's true. If, if you take this seriously and you know what you're going into with a, with a big, large group of supporters where you could potentially um, p- pick up something with somebody else, why would you put yourself... Nobody's forcing people to go to football games. It's not, it's not a job. It's a pastime. It's it's pleasure. It's 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 something you do to enjoy yourself. Mm. You don't have to beat the Emirates or the, wherever it is. So I think we're going to really find out now. If you want to really risk what could happen to you for a football game, cool. But I think a lot of people are thinking, I value my health and my granddad's health. I'm going to see the following day over a football game. So then I guess if people stop going to matches, therefore that will affect the revenue and the gate receipts, particularly those within the lower leagues. Is that to consider as well? What just from following on what just Hughes' point, don't you think? I think the football fan that's going to that game is thinking about th- their health and their granddad or grandma's health before the, the well-being and the wealth of the football club. Man, this is a conundrum, isn't it? It's really tough. There's so many scenarios and so many legs to this whole thing. Nobody knows how this is going to pan out. The government already said it, it hasn't even peaked yet. That might not happen for the next 10 weeks, 10 to 14 weeks, I think they were talking about as well. So it's a difficult one. I'd like to think that, and again, I'm making a massive assumption here, that clubs have some sort of insurance policy but then I don't know that. And, and, you know, again, what is the worst case scenarios for them? Is that huge... would be force majeure, though, wouldn't it? Because this, is, this yeah. is acts of God or whatever. I don't know. It's it's such a difficult one. And I think there's so many scenarios that this thing can can play out and it's going to affect us in so many different ways. Spike, uh, Cardiff fans on the line. Good evening, Spike. Hi, 
Good evening, guys. Hello. Yeah, I think we we spoke Hello, last night, uh, did we? Yes, I just uh, heard somebody say uh, the healthy footballers to play behind closed doors. Now, I don't think that is the answer whatsoever because by playing behind closed doors, professional sportsmen, footballers, etc., they feed off the fans. They give them that extra bit of adrenaline to get the body pumping gives them the extra five yards of energy. That's not going to protect them against coronavirus, though. They're all talking to each other. Spike, thank you very much for your call. Look, it's an interesting one. There are a lot of people, and there are a lot of fans, and Gabby Agbonla Hall was on a little bit earlier on just saying, you know, you need the fans in the stadium for games to take place. You need your health. You need your, you need health is more important. This idea that we need the football fans in the grounds uh, because the, the players need them, I agree with that. But I'm sorry, people's health is more important than I need X amount of fans to kind of spur me on. Uh, Pedro Neto, I think, has just equalised for Wolves in that live game over on Talksport 2. Currently 10-man Olympiacos 1, Wolves 1, still Rangers nil by Leverkusen 1 uh, at Ibrox as well. A little bit earlier on, Lask were beaten 5-0 by Manchester United. Uh, stay with us on kickoff added time. Plenty still to come. Strap yourself in. Left-footed ball chipped inside the area and the header is in. Kickoff on Talksport. Famous for football. I got, I got, I got, I got... Welcome back to Kickoff Added Time. Hugh Wisencroft, Jordan Jarrett, Brian, and Marie Matson and Archie Maddox with you once again. If you want to contribute, the number to call 08717 You can text us 81089 or tweet us at TalkSport or at TalkSportKO. We're going to talk about Phil Neville. Uh, he says he's got to start earning his coin. That's after England lost a seventh match in their last 11 games at the She Believes Cup, losing 1-0 to Spain last night. You would have heard our reports on TalkSport. Uh, just to tell you, in fact, there has been another goal at Ibrox this evening. A Rangers nil, by Leverkusen 2, still Olympiacos 1, Wolves 1 over on TalkSport 2. Uh, but back to the She Believes Cup and Phil Neville. Do you think it's time he steps down after that torrid run? As I say, seven defeats in the last 11 games. England are a power in women's football. They haven't hit the heights of the United States, for example, but these that is not a run that we would expect from them. No, not at all. And the word I would describe is that I believe that England are regressing and Phil Neville has some serious issues. And, and let's be clear, the FA at this time say they have every confidence in him and they expect him to remain in, in his role. But yesterday when I was tweeting about She Believes on, on my social media, the the responses I got back is he should be sacked and as you mentioned in the introduction here that it's, it's seven defeats and 11 for a team that Phil Neville believes should be on the same level as USA and I've always been really clear England is not at the level of USA. USA are on the stratosphere. They're on a separate platform to everybody else mm. and I think England for me, I think it's USA and then you've got France and Germany and maybe Spain in the next box and then England and Japan and, and then everybody else. He's got some serious issues that he needs to address and pretty quickly because he's running out of time. You've got Tokyo 2020 coming up if that goes ahead of course where he's going to have to pick certain members of the England team to fit into with the Scotland and Welsh players and Northern Ireland players as well. So here's the issues I think he's got. England can't defend. And I've said this for a long time. As much as I love Steph Horton as our captain, 
I think the legs are starting to go away from her now and he needs to look at whether he needs to bring in somebody else now to replace her or ease her through so somebody else can now take that role because the statistics is quite damning. I think they've conceded 18 in their last few games and, and that's that's not great whatsoever. And for me, what made the difference yesterday when, when I was watching the game is watching Leah Williamson. I think she's absolutely fantastic in that back line. I think she is a defender, the, despite the fact that Phil Neville tries to play her in the midfield because she used to play in the midfield, mm. but I think she's very much a defender. The partnership between Millie Bright and Steph Horton used to work. It's not working anymore, mm. so he needs to look at that quite quickly. Lucy Bronze is the best right back that England has and we missed her desperately. Her link-up play between her and Nikita Paris was sorely missed yesterday for sure. I'm not convinced entirely Alex Greenwood is right on the left. I think that's still there for Demi Stokes. I also think we cannot defend in set pieces and that's where we fell down in the Spanish game yesterday. The gap that was left to allow the Spanish player to score was just obscene. It should never have happened in the first place. The second problem he's got, he's going to have to decide if he's going to have Ellen White starting or Bethany England starting. Beth England is the best number nine for Eng- uh, for the country right now domestically and she made her debut, of course, but couldn't really get into the game. Ellen White comes on and scores and gets England's only goal in the tournament. So I think that's also potentially an issue there as well. The third issue is bringing the young players through. I know he was keen to reflect some of the younger players like Lauren Hemp. I think she was absolutely fantastic. Chloe Green is another one who I thought was brilliant and also Bethany England. But at some point, he's going to have to start bedding in more players. Now that he's gone out of the She Believes Cup early, I think Phil Neville's got a bit of a problem because the training gap um, camp is not until about April and then we're straight into Tokyo 2020. So he doesn't have a lot of time to get a team in the shape that he wants, that he feels that can go forward and then play out from the back and also have that clinical final finish in the final third. They're not an impressive side when you watch them at the moment. Look, the number one point you raised, the defence. It's interesting because Steph Horton, for me, more experienced is someone that you would you would we would need in the side when you're not defending very well. Of course, where's the armband as well? Is it advisable to get rid of a player like that when the defence, you know, it's not doing its job? I, I don't know because you're right. I'm so torn about Steph Horton because a she's the captain and her service to England is is not in question whatsoever. But her and Millie Bright, when they're together, they lack the pace. And you notice that when she came on yesterday, it the game changed for me. And I'm not saying this is entirely on her shoulders because that's not the case at all. But there is something wrong with that back line. And when you need you need a strong central partnership, and I'm not convinced that the Horton Bright partnership works going forward. I think he's contracted um, Phil Neville until, until at least the, the the Olympics, so it'll be difficult to see <clears throat> him being sacked between now and the Olympics if that happens. Um, but my biggest problem with Phil Phil Neville, and I, I defer to Anne Marie, who knows much more about the team than I do, is he just seems very arrogant based off nothing. He seems very, very arrogant and sure of himself based off of not His much. name. Based off his name. That's what I get the impression of. Who would you replace him with, Anne-Marie? My ideal choice, though she wouldn't take it, is Emma Hayes. Well, She's the number one for me. I think she'd be absolutely brilliant as England women manager, but she wouldn't take it because she loves being Chelsea manager. And I think she's destined for big, big things. Just to let you know, George, choice. sorry to interrupt, George Edmondson has pulled a goal back for Rangers at Ibrox in the Europa League. Now Rangers won by a Leverkusen at two. Mm. 
look, you're talking about Emma Hayes, and I think she would be a fantastic manager for England in the space uh, if, if Phil Neville wasn't but, in the but, role. But why? Sorry to put challenge, but why? Because some people are very good at club level, but they're not very good at international level. Well, you got to try them. If they're very good at club level, there's only one way to find out if they're going to be that, good that at international level. That is true, but I don't think it's good enough to say that just because she's a great club manager, she would become a great international manager. We've seen in the men's game, it doesn't always... What I would say is around Phil Neville is a bit of a disconnect with the players that I think Emma Hayes she really has yeah, the respect yeah, of everyone that's played in the WSL you can say not just the players that have been with her at Chelsea but the players that have been of other clubs you know a lot of people respect and look up to Emma Hayes I'm not saying they don't look up to and respect Phil Neville after what he's achieved but the question marks over his relationship with women's football when he came into the job I think are still there despite the fact they got to a World Cup semi-final I still think people I, I, you know, I can only say as a non-player, don't really know if he gets the players that he has with him. Like the, the relationship is really there. If but, you see what I mean. But you say that you know um, uh, the, the players you would assume would respect him because of the playing career that he had. I uh, know. I'm just saying. I don't. I'm not saying that they don't respect him. That's yeah, all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not I assuming that they do. Sure, sure. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that they don't respect him. But I'm not so sure from what I see that they necessarily do respect him because he's Phil Neville, the former Man Manchester United Everton player. I hear it a lot in the men's game when you hear like, "Oh, a legendary manager." That club should appoint that person because when he walks into the dressing room, they'll respect. He'll have the respect to the players because of what he achieves as a player. That lasts two minutes, and if you can't prove after a sustained period of time that you know what you're doing, we don't care if you won seventeen World Cups. If you don't know what you're doing, I'm not going to respect you. And I think there's definitely a disconnect between Phil Neville and the and and the and the playing staff there that he's proven that he doesn't really know what he's doing. So despite that, he is the great Phil Neville to some, I'm not so sure they do respect him, Phil Neville, the, 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 the player or not. And yet, if you talk to the players, they love his man management style. He's very much that person who put your arm around his, your shoulder if you need that support, as we've seen with Frank Kirby with her recent um, troubles with illness. He's very much about keeping in touch with the team daily, even when he's not with them on a WhatsApp group. That was a big story last season. They love his mm. man management style. But that's all great. That only takes you up so far. The fact is you've got to deliver on the pitch and the England women are not doing that and now it's starting to show. And just quickly, I, I, I don't. I hear from a lot of the press and media as well that they're not big fans of him either. That the, the interaction between him and a lot of the media isn't good. And I think it goes back to my earlier point about him being very arrogant based off of not much. Another big story in women's football this week, Megan Rapinoe, huge star, of course, Ballon d'Or winner in women's football. She says the US women's national team don't buy the apology that came from the US soccer president after he said some unsavoury things about their talents in, of course, the big lawsuit they've got going on at the moment over equal pay. Anne-Marie, what's the latest? So yes, as you rightly say, there is a there's a legal case going on at the moment between the US national team and also US soccer, where uh, the US national team are suing for equal pay. And as part of various uh, part of the process of the court, there's obviously uh, discussions that have taken place. And it came out yesterday that US soccer had said some things that weren't received in a in a positive way, shall we say, by the US national team, and rightly so, because some of the things that were said by the lawyers for the football governing body was just downright wrong, quite frankly, and now they're getting a lot of backlash from sponsors like Visa and Budweiser and various others. So it's this discussion about the court cases starting on the 5th of May and part of the depositions that go forward, there was this, 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 this talk about how uh, the US soccer legal wrangling said 
indisputable science there is indisputable indisputable science that men are stronger and faster than women so therefore women cannot be skilled as the men and also us soccer also pointed out that men the men's world cup generates more revenue and gets better ratings too and my argument is well hang on a second this is a women's team that's won the women's world cup four times in a row how far has the men's team got it's much more popular over there in terms of the women's football and i think US soccer got this completely wrong. I appreciate that this is a lawsuit and the law is very much cold-blooded. There's no room for emotion. But as acknowledged by the um, US soccer president that the language that was used in the deposition was completely wrong. And he said, I've made it clear to our legal team that even as we debate the facts and figures in the course of this case, we must do so with the utmost respect. And that wasn't shown yesterday. And as we saw the players in the She Believes Cup yesterday, they wore their shirts inside out so it hid the US soccer emblem, but she still showed the four stars representing them winning four World Cups. What do you guys make of this? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I've always thought that, look, if the US, you know, I'm one of those where I think people should be paid according to the money that comes in, whichever, you know, whichever pot that is. And if the US women's team brings more money, then they should get paid more money than the men. And if the men bring in more money, even if they're a worse side, you know, given that they're playing in a tournament, which, of course, we know is is bigger in globally, the men's World Cup, that is. But they weren't in it. So <laughs> I'll tell you how to settle this right now. <laughs> Go U.S. women's versus U.S. men's. Whoever wins, more money. <laughs> as long as it takes place. <laughs> Jordan? Mm. Yeah, I mean, she's been very outspoken, Rapino, um, for, for a while. And she's very clear about standing up for the, the rights of women's, women in, 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 in soccer, as it's called over there. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think you're right. I think that there, there are facts that legally you, you can't really put in the emotions of how you feel about this. But I think that she... In calling, saying to the rest of women's football, don't buy this apology. And I saw some of the things that were, that were said previously. They were quite foul and they were really out of order. Um, I think it's very, very strong. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where they go from here. I think that they need to come to some kind of resolution whereby they decide who's bringing in, like you say, the, the most amount of money gets the lion's share of the pot. Whether that will happen or not, I, I don't think so. Uh, slightly sad to see, but you guys may have seen it. Um, people sort of talking about the skills that the US women's team has. There was loads of threads on social media, you know, people saying, well, is this a skill? Is this a skill? And showing them, you know, doing great stuff. But a lot of it was sort of prodding at the men's team. Now, the, the US men's team had put out a statement saying, of course, this is nothing to do with them. They didn't make those representations and they support the, their US women's national team, as they call it. Um, but but I wondered why it had to be made such a such a you know men versus v- female type debate because it's the law. That's the way the law. No, is it on is. social media? You well, know. Yeah, it's again. Do, do, you, do you have to start calling out the men's team for being rubbish? Pretty much is what I've been seeing. No, I I don't want that. I just want it to be a honest and open debate about women in the US national soccer team they believe they should have equal pay as the statement says they should stick to the facts don't let emotion get involved in this stick to the facts and the figures and the fact is that the US national team in terms of the win women have won four world cups they generate a lot of money and what they want is to be treated equally across the board like the men's team it's very simple for me but how do they do that though because if in I'm just kind of thinking out loud here but domestically and domestic league that can work because US soccer are in charge of their own league but when it comes to internationally that's run by FIFA so then FIFA then have to do that across the board to every nation 
But one, you know, we could see, we can use this argument now in terms of what's happened with the She Believes Cup versus the Men's World Cup when it's the fact that the women now, you know, when they had to fly out on separate flights, mm. and but, you know, the men would have a chartered flight by the FA. It's that kind of, why is there such a disparity between the two? And that's what Megan Rapinoe and her colleagues want. They want to have that discussion and understand why is there such a disparity and what can be done to make that gap smaller than what it is. We'll be talking a little bit more uh, next about Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. The boo, yeah, well, they're out. Uh, so you can cheer uh, just like Arsenal. No more European oh, football hey! for Liverpool this season. Stay with us on kickoff added time. <laughs> Strap yourself in. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kickoff on Talk Sport, famous for football. Welcome back to Kickoff Added Time. Hugh Wilsoncroft, Jordan Jarrett, Brian, Anne-Marie Batson and Archie Maddox with you. Just to let you know, just over 10 minutes ago, the Premier League have put out a statement regarding coronavirus. They say all Premier League matches will go ahead as scheduled this weekend after the latest government update. They say while the Prime Minister advised that all sporting events should take place as normal for now, he also indicated the government's considering banning major public events like sporting fixtures. We're therefore continuing to work closely with our clubs, government, the FA, EFL and other relevant stakeholders to ensure appropriate contingency plans are in place as and when circumstances change. The welfare of players, staff and supporters is of paramount importance. We will continue to follow Public Health England guidelines thoroughly and we will keep everyone updated as appropriate. So there you go. Uh, 
fans in the Premier League all schedule matches to go ahead this weekend. That's despite the news we heard a little bit earlier on that Benjamin Mendy of Manchester City mm-hmm. uh, self-isolating at the moment. And now let's talk about last night. Uh, Liverpool out of the Champions League, the defending champions gone after, well, there's a debate, isn't there, whether it was a masterclass or not from Diego Simeone. Uh, only well he knows and Jurgen Klopp seems to have an opinion on that as well masterclass or not yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I feel I, his teams defend fantastically they just they def- they're nearly impossible to break down sometimes just watching them I, the way they run for the manager the way they bleed for the shot I'm like ah, yeah you lot this was this was this was like Mourinho at his best that Inter Milan season that for me I thought it was a masterclass there was a graphic yeah, sorry to interrupt you there was a graphic circulating on social media exactly describing what you've just said there and it shows the either end of, of, of the goalkeepers and you've got Oblak the uh, Atletico goalkeeper and it's got red dots all around him where the shots were coming in from Liverpool and you've got Adrian and it had like three dots around him where the shots came at him and you think yeah they just defended brilliantly mm. yesterday and in that sense it was a tactical masterclass because Oblak I think was the star of the show for me he just kept those shots and those shots were coming real quick Is that a tactical masterclass though? I know what we'll do we'll let the goalkeeper get peppered and he'll get us out of it Tactical masterclass But then, you, but then I would argue you'd say if um if it was somebody like Edison, you'd say he's done brilliantly as well for Man City to keep those those goals coming out. Unfortunately for Adrian, it, it didn't work. But if it was Alisson, we'd be singing his praises if there was lots of dots around him saying the goalkeeper won the match for the team. I think it's the same thing. I think when I think when I think of the word masterclass, I think of something that you would could you teach a method or a tactic in a classroom. So could you teach what Simeone does to a, to a, to a young up and this? I did this. I set up my players like that. The the, the space between the, the defenders was this, and the, so I think it was a masterclass. But I think there's a lot of snobbery about what a masterclass is. When you think of what a masterclass is, you think of Pep Guardiola. You think of um, Sir Alex Ferguson, maybe. You think of Jurgen Klopp. Arsene Wenger. Uh, um, (laughs) That's that's what you think of when you think of as a masterclass. Now, whether you like that that style of, of football and winning games is a personal preference. But it's a tactic. It's a tactic to be organised, work hard, look at the space between defenders, in between you and the midfielder in front of you, where to be when the ball's on the left. That Those are tactics. Is it pretty? Probably not. And it wasn't pretty last and night. And it wasn't was pretty, but as a, night, as a fan base and as, mm-hmm. a, as a group of players, if you're prepared to put up with that, Chris Hewton last year at, at Brighton, it wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. And that was, um, to some degree, a masterclass. I I would disagree. I think looking at pure defensive football, I think it was beautiful. I think honestly, there's. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it's in the eye of the eye of the beholder. True, true. When it, but I think a lot of times when it comes to football, the the emphasis is always put on the attacking game, and you rarely see great defensive displays. And I think Atletico Madrid, they've been at the heart of like the five best defensive displays I've seen over the last ten seasons. Mm. They've. They've been incredible sometimes. And yesterday, I think, was one of them. The amount of shots they had against them and the amount of shots they blocked. And they scored four goals. Uh, Just to let you know, uh, Rangers conceded another goal just before the final whistle. It has ended. Rangers won. 
Bayer Leverkusen 3, so a mountain to climb for Steven Gerrard's side well, if the second leg, uh, whenever it does happen against Bayer Leverkusen back in Germany. Uh, and it's finished as well in Greece in front of no fans behind closed doors game, but it finished Olympiakos 1, Wolves 1, so I guess they'll be happy about that. The Wolves fans to take, uh, hopefully, into a second leg when that will be, we don't know, as I say. Uh, and then, uh, sorry, they're not shaking hands, they're doing fist pumps and that elbow thing as well, which is interesting. Anyway, touch one. <laughs> well, they're trying to keep themselves <laughs> healthy. Although they are, they are hugging a lot of them, which yeah. I'm like, I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> well, we saw it last night, we've seen it, seen it tonight as well. Looks like cuddles all round uh, despite coronavirus. Um, just going back to what you said about the masterclass last night, Diego Simeone, snobbery, a little bit the word you mentioned uh, in football. Now, if I think back to the late 90s, and what we would have seen from English teams in Europe against some of the bigger clubs and the clubs that were at that time, maybe not the late 90s, mid 90s, shall we say, when Sir Alex Ferguson was trying year after year after year to take Manchester United further and further and further. There were backs against the wall displays. There were plenty of them. And at that point of time, English football fans were, were cheering them on. You know, got to do what you've got to do to try and get a result. And it's all about making it through to the next round. And it's cup football. You know, it's all about getting through. Um, we've now, in the space of, you know, 20 years, changed completely to actually having seen some well, some beautiful football teams playing the right way, as we, we like to phrase it. Have we now become a very snobbish football culture in England? I think to some degree, yes. But I think it, it comes down to, as a football fan, what do you want? Do you value style of play and... and um, and uh, certain tactics that are good on the eye or do you just want to just win at any cost? If or do you want to be entertained as well? Because that's always well, yeah. one of the biggest things. If, you, if, you, if you're an Atletico Madrid fan, you know that with Simeone in, in charge, you're not going to be playing expansive, open, one-touch football. It's going to be hard-working, digging, get a nil-nil and then try and nick it on the second leg. You, you know that. You mentioned a club like Brighton and Hove Albion, you yeah. know, getting rid of Chris Hewton after their first year in the Premier League, you know, widely reported that they wanted to play a better style of football. That's a club that is towards the lower end of the Premier League. But they're happier. I bet if you ask any Brighton fan now, but this I is bet my you point. they're happier. So, so is this a snobbish football culture? You yeah. know, uh, you know. let's put it this way, a team towards the bottom of the league 25 years ago, staying up was all that mattered. Mm -hmm. And in that case, results are all that matters. I mean, would you really get rid of a manager who's kept you up in favour of better football? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're Brighton, you know there's a 99.9% chance you're not going to win a trophy. So if I'm paying my money every single week and I'm not going to win a trophy, at least give me some good football to watch. Well, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You said it yourself, though. Winning football. If now Brighton, for example, Brighton, could be any club, but for example, Brighton go down playing perceived better style of football. They'll be happier. You think they'll be happier? I think they would. I think if you ask most Brighton fans, they will take that. But have we been spoiled by the style of Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola? Is that I what think it, so. I, I think Arsene that's what the point you're from, making, isn't it? Exactly. From yeah. Arsene Wenger, I think we've Arsene been spoiled. Wenger. And now every team expects a great style of football. And I, I don't think every team can play great football. Atletico Madrid have gone up against Barcelona and Real Madrid over the last five years. And they have equipped themselves extremely well. Okay, they're having a they're sixth at the moment, not a great season by their standards. But they've equipped themselves really well. And what they needed to do to equip themselves really well and to get the results needed to compete in the league table mm. is this style. 
and for me and, it works. and also with that performance yesterday I think if it's the other way round and Liverpool had done that performance and come away winning like that we'll be lauding it exactly we'll be lauding it and I want to say Klopp was an absolute baby as well last night he was a, such a big baby he was an embarrassment to <laughs> Liverpool and his fan base because of the two legs Atletico Madrid were the better side but because they didn't play the football the way that he thinks they should play football he's crying about it he needs to go and wipe his eyes and you know what was really odd watching him on, on the touchline yesterday it was like obviously Simeone had all this energy and he's got his arms up in the end he's running down up on the touchline and Klopp was literally just hands in his pockets staring forward or shouting at someone he didn't have that energy like, in, and like it, it was just like this reversal of fortune Simeone's celebration as well it's quality <laughs> right in their face <laughs> just yes. quickly before we go I, I understand I'm speaking to three Arsenal fans when I asked this I asked it a little bit uh, earlier on in the night whether the season may feel like a bit of an anti-climax given the way that Liverpool maybe by others and not Liverpool fans but the way that Liverpool and this team were built up earlier on in the season of course the great run that they've been on undefeated in the Premier League going out of the FA Cup going out of the Champions League is this a bit of an anti-climax for them? Um, yes, I, I don't think I don't think they'll care about how they win this title and finish the season, but I think they should. Oh, really? What, I, think, what? I think they should. I think how they finish the season, I think, can have a bearing on how they start next season. I think they've won the title, so that's done. But at the moment, they're looking really ropey. I think how they finish this season, they don't want to finish the season on a bit of a whimper. So I think it's important how they finish the season, personally. I disagree with everything he said, and I just want to take the opportunity to say Tottenham, haha. <laughs> and I'd like, to, I'd like Liverpool to win another domestic cup, but there you go. Uh, guys, thank you very much for being with me. Anne-Marie Batson, Jordan Jarrett-Brian, Archie Maddox. There you have it. Uh, kickoff added time available. Acast, uh, Apple as well. Spotify too to download our podcast from tomorrow. A reminder, this evening, three games in the Europa League. It finished Lask nil, Manchester United 5. Olympiacos 1, Wolves 1, Rangers 1, Bayer Leverkusen 3. If you went to any of those games or maybe you just watched at TV because they were behind closed doors, uh, let us know what you thought of your team's performances. Straightforward, straight talking and straight to the point. Kickoff on Talk Sport. This podcast is produced by Unedited. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.